yesterday my son asked me, what is that movie about, Daddy? And I was like, um, everything. It's about everything. Uh, when I was in high school, we had a, on our football team, we had a kid named Forrest, and he was a running back. And so literally every time he got the ball, the whole crowd would yell, run, Forrest, run. It was amazing. And he would. He was pretty good. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, our vision for this year and uh, talking about Isaiah 54 as being what we feel God has put on our hearts for this year for each and every one of you and for us as a church. And so we are excited to talk about that today as our last week. Next week, we're going to start a series called Stretched and just talking about what does it mean to be stretched and become who God wants us to be. Um, I'm going to read through uh, our scripture reading that we've been reading over the last month. So why don't you take a look at the screen? I'm going to read it out, and this is what we've been talking about over the last three weeks. It says in Isaiah 54, it says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore children, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more of the children of the desolate woman than of her who has had a husband, says the Lord. So we talked the first week about how God wants to do something in us that's brand new. That's something that we feel is maybe dead or God spoke something and now we're not sure if it's going to happen. God says, no, you'll be barren no more. It'll be desolate no more. I want to do something new and good and profound in your life. Uh, more than you can even measure, more than you can even expect. We talked about not expecting 50% from God, but asking God for 100 and then it says this, to, pre to prepare, it says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your curtains wide. Remember, it's to prepare and to open up and to invite God into every aspect of your life. Do not hold back. Lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. For you, you will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Your maker will be your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says the Lord. So the first week we talked about being barren no more. Last week we talked about preparing. That God wants us to prepare, open up uh, our lives more to other people and to who God wants us to be, and then to anchor and strengthen our faith. And today we're talking about this little phrase in the midst of verse 2. So let's read verse 2. Where is it at? Found it. Let's read it. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your curtains wide, do not hold back, strengthen your cords, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. So in the midst of this prepare, preparation for what God has, there's this little four words, do not hold back. And right in the middle of it. And the first time I ever read this, we were feeling like this is what God was laying on our hearts. That phrase like stood out to me like crazy. I think for the most part, people of faith desire to do what God wants. And I think for the most part, people of faith really want to experience God more and the fullness of what he has for us. But I think in so many ways we hold back, whether it's uncertainty about ourselves, uncertainty about who God is, uncertainty about whatever it could be, the fear, you know, like it says, do not fear, do not, you're not going to be humiliated, these type of things. I think we hold back a lot in life. So right in the middle of this verse is this phrase, do not hold back. As it tells us to prepare, as it tells us to get our lives more engaged in the things of God and more anchored into who he is and who we are in him, it says, do not hold back. So at first I was like, I thought immediately about the things that hold me back, right? I think 
that we kind of do that. Like, what is holding me back from experiencing the fullness of what God has? Or for me taking steps of faith into things that I feel God's asking me to be and do. And I think of the things that are holding me back. And I think, in the, like, I think about my own sinfulness or my own lack of faith or my own struggle or I'm just tired or, you know, I'm busy or whatever it is. The things in your life that hold you back, right? That's what we tend to think of. But in this context, it's less about what's, it's less about what's holding you back and more like it doesn't matter what's holding you back. It's more about what are you going to do to push forward and become who God wants you to be. It's a little bit of tenacity. It's a little bit of drive. It's a little bit of push. And ultimately what it means is that do not hold back means how are you going to live an intentional life, a focused life, a specific life, so that you can experience what God has for you. Because I know how it is in my life. I get focused on something I need to do. And it's not necessarily, you know, my job's busy and I get tired at night and I go home, I try to give a little bit to my family. And I feel like I live and I do the things I should do, but I'm not very intentional on how I live. Anyone feel that way? Like I live and I'm trying to do my best, but I'm not living intentional. And do not hold back is about how do I have a little bit of push, a little bit of drive, a little bit of uh, ferociousness, which is a word, to not hold back to the things that God has for us. Because he's very specific. And we talked about this last week. If you could handle the things that God wants to give you, he would already have given it to you. If you could handle the things that God wants to do, he would already have given it to you. So he's saying, I want you to prepare. Enlarge the place of your tent. I want you to open the curtains wide. Invite people into your life. Invite God into every area. I want you to anchor yourself in who God is, in his love, and in his character. Do not hold back. It says, do, do not hold back. Be intentional about that. Be serious about that. Have drive towards that. And that's what do not hold back means. Are we doing all right? Yep. Good. 1 Corinthians 9, let's read this out. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. And these verses, at times in my life, I've struggled with, and I'll tell you why in a second. It says, do you not know, this is Paul talking to Corinth um, and the people of that church, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the, in the games goes into strict training. They do not do it for a crown that will not last, but they do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. Do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, strike. I, no, I will strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. When I was a ninth grader, I ran track and field. By running track and field, I mean I went to track meets, is what I did, basically. Because um, I had people I wanted to talk to. I had to talk to people. How am I going to talk to people if I'm not at the track meet? Just like I was in speech one year, and I actually never did a speech. I just went to the speech meets just to hang out. I don't know why they let me do that, but it was fun. Um, so I ran track and field. I, I was a triple jumper and a long jumper. And it was mostly just like the only thing that I could do. That was somewhat productive. And um, but one track meet, we were like three points behind because tracks are cumulative, you know. And only every athlete can only do three, could only do three uh, different events. And everyone else had done three events, and I had just done two because I was lazy. And so I, they like, okay, the last race of the day is the two mile run. Okay, <laughs> and we are down by three points. And there's only three people that have entered, or two people that have entered the heat. That means that if you enter the heat, enter the race, you're the third person, we'll get three points and we will win. And I was like, no, 
I'm not running, what is that, eight laps around the track? Eight laps? And so me, ninth grade, did not run. Uh, I think I had, at that point I had eaten a bag of Funyuns and Mountain Dew <laughs> and like a king size uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, um, more than likely. Uh, I ran the two mile race. And by running the two mile race, I mean I basically walked and kind of jogged the two mile race. And I think I literally uh, got lapped. I basically feel like I got lapped once. But it didn't matter, right? Because I just needed three points to win the meet, right? So I did not enter that race with the means of winning. I did not enter the race. I entered the race, by the way, in the attitude just to finish, right? And that's what Paul's saying. So many of us in our lives just run this race just to finish. And he's saying that's, that's fine, but it's not ultimately what God would ask you to do. Because I believe everyone specifically has their own race. It's not that we're competing against each other and we're trying to outwin each, out, you know, beat each other. That's not the point of it. I think that's how people read it. Like, I'm going to work harder than everyone. I'm going to have more drive than anyone. It's like, yeah, that's fine, but it's like not a competition between each other. You understand that? It's a, it's a competition with yourself. It's that God has put into your life and in my life dreams and visions and purpose and potential. And he's given people in my life that I'm meant to love and to share his love with. And he's given me a family to love and to steward and to care for and to raise up. And you're competing against yourself. Whether you just take this life just to finish or you take this life to win the prize. Whether you have a little bit of tenacity in your life a little bit of drive, a little bit of focus, not so that you get to the end and your family's like, yeah, he was a good dad. I loved him. He was great. Or that you get to the end of your life and, there's, and people are like, man, he made such an impact on my life here and here. Or she spoke. She was always caring here and here. Or, man, she started this thing or, she, or he did this nonprofit or started this business that helped people here. I think so many of us, we go to work early. We go to bed early, we get up, we do it again, we have Saturday, and if Saturday's shot, we're just depressed. And Paul says, hey, I want you to run this race as if you're going to want to win. Again, not competing against each other, not, not trying to win so that God will love you. Oh my gosh, that's how pastors read it, and that's how people read it. That's how I grew up thinking about it. You know, even in other ministry situations I've been in, it was like, who's going to run the race to win? So it was just like, if we run enough, then God will love us enough. No. God's saying, I have such a prize for you. I have such a profound impact that I want you to have. I have dreams and visions that are barren no more, and I want you to experience them fully, and I want you to run this race to win. But we want Tom Brady to lose, so that's just... <laughs> Just to be clear. Yep. <laughs> oh, I love it. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to, to get a crown that will not last, but we will have a crown that will last forever. We do not just run aimlessly or box at the air. But we have a focused purposeful way of living so that we can have the fullness of what God wants us to live. And I think so many times we tend to, without intentional living, uh, run fairly aimlessly. If you're, I, sometimes I struggle. People ask me, how you doing? I'm like, I think good. Anyone else? Like, how you doing? I think I'm fine. I mean, there's no fires. We're good. I think, 
I still have a job. My wife still likes me mostly, and my kids sometimes talk to me. It's great. No. You know, it's like, but I think that is, that is sometimes the side effects of this life. And God says, hey, don't run aimlessly. The things I have for you are really, really good, but they don't just accidentally happen. You know, it takes purpose. It takes a little bit of drive. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. Don't be someone like someone who's just going which way in that. Don't just box at the air, you know. I think what, the reason why people get all fired up on social media and the reason why people get all fired up about stuff that sometimes doesn't matter is because they haven't, they're not, they haven't focused on what they're supposed to be fired up about. Because God has given us holy discontent. God has given us fire that we should have towards things like injustice and evil and brokenness. And yet we get that misplaced because we run aimlessly. And then we're here, over here yelling at this side of the political aisle or yelling at this news station or yelling at this person that got elected or yelling at this person who posted this thing about this thing. And it's like, I think it's misdirected. I think the angst in us and the fire in us is misdirected and that God has asked us, there's going to be things you should have fire for. Like you should have fire for it and you can't run aimlessly. We can't, as followers of Jesus, run just to finish. We have to run to win. Again, not so we gain his love or his favor. Or, you know, because that's our default, right? Because that's our culture. I did so great, I'm the winner, everyone's the losers. Or God must really love me now, I, I, ran, I did so good, I worked so hard. I put in 16 hours today. Whew, I checked off all my list, God must love me now, no. God's like, man, I've loved you since before you were born. And I've never lost the sight of that love. And whether you do more or less has nothing to do with his love for you, but it's about how much you are fulfilled and it's about how much you've honored God with what he has given you. Because eternity started the second that you're born. Eternity started the second you followed Christ. And now you get this opportunity to run a race and live a life that is very intentional. So I think every person should develop, this is where I'm going. It might not be super specific, and I don't think we should, you should tie it to your career. I don't think that's healthy or safe. Like, oh, I'm gonna, in five years, I'm going to be the CFO of a ba-ba-da-ba-doo, you know? Like, that would be fine if that's a thing, right? That's fine, but I think if you tie yourself to a goal that is specific to a role, it's not always the way God wants us to live because he says, actually, we should be at the end. We should live at the last. And wherever we go, we should serve. Wherever we should go, we should have purpose in loving people. So I think you and I should run intentional towards things that matter most, that are, that are about us being able to show Christ's love well. So like, for me, a value that we have is we want to live authentically. Because I feel if I live authentically, I'm going to run a good race, always. I feel, it's an, I feel like it's a virtue of Christ, that if I live authentically, then... I, People will see Christ in me. They'll see my humanity. They'll see me for who I am. And I think that's a win. I think that ends well for me and for others. I think, I think running with humility is really important. Running in meekness. That we are to be at the bottom instead of the top. And we're not just a politic wherever we can. right? We all work in offices that have politicians. I just don't think that's the way of Christ. And so how are you and how am I going to live in such a way that I'm just not kind of finishing it, sort of, right? Like I was, th- I, I was, uh, was going to run a half marathon for like eight minutes. Um, <laughs> and then I started to see what it took to run a half marathon. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. 
right? Like the first thing you should do if you want to run a half marathon is go drive 13.1 miles. <laughs> For real. Perspective. But I think what, what is so crucial is as you develop, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to become as a father, as a man of God, as a man of the word, as a man who is as impact. So at my funeral, it's like, man, this guy had impact. And I can go into glory and I can meet Jesus with a crown that lasts forever. And he'll say, well done. You did it. You won the race. And to do that, it takes very intentional living. It is not accidental. To do what God wants to do, to open up and invite and prepare, is not an accidental thing. To have a great marriage just doesn't happen, right? Holy Lord. <laughs> right? To be a great parent doesn't just happen. It's like, oh, I thought we were good parents, and then we had another kid, and then we weren't. <laughs> or to become a man who has, or a woman of the word, it takes engaging God's word or to be someone who loves people the right way, you have to understand the right way to love. I mean, these are things that just don't happen accidentally. And I think what God's saying to us is do not hold back. Do not just think, oh, I'm just going to get there. It's going to be great. Right? And that's not bad. God's not going to love you any less. He's just saying, no, no, how are you going to, and we're going to talk about this in February, how are you going to shape your life so that you experience all that God has? And what in your life is holding you back? And what in your life do you have to step into to live a more intentional life? There's a verse in Matthew that's a little odd. It says, the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We can't say that in our culture. What does it mean? It means that there's a little bit of like drive. There's a little bit of tenacity towards this. That the thing that matters most in life is the way that we live out the love of Christ. It's everything. So we don't live just randomly. We live very intentionally. Remember, we don't run to win the race so that God will love us, right? Or he'll be pleased with us. We run the race of our life because it's stewardship of what God's given us. And it's ultimately the ultimate act of worship that you pay back to your father who saved you. So what does that mean for you and for me? So as a people, I put a little slide up, as us, as individuals, these are some things, I think, that help us live do-not-hold-back type lives in Christ. Okay? These are some things. These are not like you have to do this or else you're not doing it, right? These are just what I believe as a follower of Jesus and a leader of what I feel like I need to experience. I time to our vision, no ground share. So I think as a people, the way we do not hold back is that we put Christ central in our lives. That means everything that he says and everything that he does and that we say and live out this whole not my will but his will be done in our lives. And that's a very difficult decision. Anybody? And it's a decision that doesn't happen once. It really happens every day. Because in my life, Christ, in his, that priority of Christ's love and life kind of shifts out, and I kind of want to do my own thing, and then my own thing, and then also my own thing. I'm like, okay, back here, in the middle. The first step to living intentional life is you put Christ at the center. And what happens when you do that is all of a sudden, then, Lord, as you look at your life and your schedule and your day, is you start seeing, okay, maybe this isn't the best use of my time. Like on your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, if you don't, then we'll pray for you. But if you do, <laughs> then then uh, it'll tell you at, the, at each day how much screen time you put, and that's convicting. When I was in Myanmar, I was like, you're doing this much less screen time than ever. I'm like, yeah, I'm so awesome. I also don't have service. <laughs> that's the combination. 
But when you put Christ center in your life, all of a sudden you have the ability to hear his voice more. You've, you've said, God, not my will, but your will. You've given him your heart and life. And then all of a sudden he can help shape your life. So it lives more intentional. And you start seeing your hours and your minutes and your days as valuable to the kingdom and what he wants to do. I think as people, it's crucial for us to pursue Christ in, in, in his word and in prayer and in worship and how that works out for you. Okay? And how that works out for you. And that's a personal connection with Jesus. However that needs to work. I think God's word is a crucial aspect to our lives because how will we know how to love if we don't know what Christ says? Then we just make it up. Honestly, I've heard people say, well, you can't do this because of that. I'm like, yeah, but like, I won't use that example. Um, <laughs> I'm learning. It's taken two years. Um, like, if I don't know what Christ says, how can I know how to love? And that's why we're getting all jacked up because we, as followers of Jesus, because we've made cultural decisions on non-scriptural th- items, right? Like things like refugees and things like people who live in other countries. We've made cultural decisions based on non-scriptural things. Jesus was a refugee. We should pray for them and love them and help them. I love talking about that. Next, in growing. So you have to figure out what that means to you, right? I mean, for me, I, have to, I, I enjoy reading, my, reading the word. I try to spend time every day reading God's word. I have ADD to no one's business. So I, sitting and praying for two hours does not work for me. And I've put that to bed, and I don't feel guilty no more. So I journal, I write it out, right? I pray as I drive, I pray all the time, I just talk, I just am with God, right? In worship, I really feel like expression is valuable to, to sing and to clap and to raise my hands. I feel like that connects me more to Jesus. So I think for people who are trying to live intentional lives, we have to shape ourselves around Christ and his identity. That means we have to have a relationship with him. We have to know the way, what he said and what he taught. We have to be connected to him through his spirit. We have to put him central. And as a people, we need to grow together by gathering together to worship. I think coming together is crucial to living an intentional life. And thank you for coming. Great, good job. Check. I think people, it says, do not despise the meeting together. And people love to rake the church. The church is this. You don't need to be with the church. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But for, you know, 2,000 years, people have gathered together to sing and to be together. And there's been bad, but there's also been tons and tons of good, way more good than bad. And I think for you to be in a committed group of people, whether it's a neighbor group or a hangout or just, you know, weird stuff like, hey, do you want to come over to my house? Or let's go have coffee. But someone who's a follower of Jesus who you can connect your life to, who can help you when you struggle, who you can speak life into, who you can have hard conversations with, it's crucial for us to live intentionally because we are not to live in this life alone. And then we share Jesus by serving in in his body and we serve our community. And ultimately, we invite people to come and see who this Savior is. To come and see that God has saved us. And we let God work it out. Amen? So as a people, I think those are crucial things to living an intentional life, to not hold back. As a church, this is practical. We believe that God has called us to be an ER for souls. That we'd be a place where people could come and get healing, whether they are affluent or not, whether they're from this place or not. Whoever they are needs work in their soul by our Savior. So we're going to ask you this year to invite people to come and be a part of this, to come and see who this God is. 
You're going to be put in situations where you are going to be like, do you want to come to church with me? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Don't say it like that, that's weird. But like, think of in your own way, you know, but we are going to challenge you and challenge me to, not, to take bolder steps of faith to invite people to come and see who God is. We're going to ask you to engage in uh, groups and hangouts uh, where we are doing six little six-week stints of groups so that we can develop strong relationships. And then we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. We're going to ask um, you all as a part of our body to serve in the church once a month and to serve in the community once a month so that we believe that that's how we fully connect the love of Christ to this community, that we serve his body and we serve out of his body, right? Because serving Jesus is about serving his people, but it's ultimately about serving his people. Amen? All right, this is just a cool thing I want you to pray for. Can you do that? I got a cruise. Holy cow. Uh, We are praying this year that God would bring us leadership for a Spanish service that we could start in 2020. Because we believe that the fastest growing people group in our city is Spanish speaking. And so we are really wanting to connect to Spanish speaking people. And Greeley, we have a Spanish service here. We're going to have a Spanish service. So would you pray? Would you join with that to pray for the right leaders, the right people that we can engage that community? Because they are our brothers and our sisters and they are part of this city and they are part of this nation and they deserve the love of Jesus as much as anyone else. Sound good? Let's pray for that. You guys can come up. I really hope we can do that. I think that's important. So what holds you back? Last verse, then we're going to close here. So in the month of um, February, which is like this week, wow, um, we're going to ask you, how are you going to live stretched? How are you going to live intentional? How are you going to live with focus and purpose and drive towards the thing that God has for you? Because he has asked you to not just finish, but to win. And to live in such a way that wins the race. To wins the prize. But what holds you back? This verse in verse 4 has kind of haunted me all all, uh, year so far. All four weeks. Um, It says, verse 4, Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. You will not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will will forget the shame of your youth. And you will remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. So he's saying, don't hold back. See, the thing that holds me back is, is my, ultimately, just honestly, is my fear to fail. It's my fear, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if we hit 2020 and there's no Spanish leader? What if, we, what if we are going to do this thing and no one invites anyone? And I don't invite anyone. What if, what if uh, this, this vision that I have for my, for my family just doesn't work out and two weeks in we're just back to normal? And the Lord says to us, and this is prophetic in what he says, is that you will not be humiliated. You will not be disgraced. What if you lived in such a way that you really honestly believed, despite all of your shortcomings and mine, despite all of your inequities, in, you know, inabilities, insufficient funds and gifts and time? What if we honestly believed as a people that God wanted to do this? What if we got rid of fear? What if we got rid of shame? What if we finally let the past mistakes go? 
What if we finally let our past that just gets us every time? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Or that person that kept saying that thing to you that you just hear every time and you see their face, you probably should forgive them. What if you let that go? And what if you let go of what was lost? You let go of your disappointment so that we could honestly feel and experience the fullness of God. So we get to 20 and we're like, man, I lived, I didn't, I will live to win the race this year. Because that's where I want to go. Because I don't know about you, but you already start feeling it, don't you? Just kind of going back to normal. That's what February is, normal month. Isaiah 43 says this, and we'll sing. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See that I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Would you stand with me so we can sing? Lord Jesus, we we just pray. I pray this over these people that you love so deeply. I pray in the name of Jesus that these people that are here would forget the former things, that they would not dwell in the past. See that you are doing a new thing. Now it springs up. I pray that we would perceive it that you are making a way in the wilderness. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you would show us areas of our life where we can live more intentionally. We can live with more purpose and drive and focus. Not so that we can, not so that we can achieve this great thing so you will love us, but, but God, that we can honor you fully with our lives, that we would put you central to what you want us to do, God, and that you would help us to experience the fullness of what you have for us that we would live a life not just to finish but we live to win to win the prize that is eternal and lasts forever so God as, as we sing the song I pray that you'd speak into our hearts like we do every week God what are you saying to us what are you saying to each person here and to myself about what does it mean to live to win the prize so God just speak to us now pray these things in the name of Jesus